Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Is It a Classic? The podcast that watches a match in wrestling history and determines for you definitively if it is, in fact, a classic. And today, we are watching the match Rey Mysterio versus Kurt Angle at SummerSlam 2002. My name is Chad, and I'm joined as always by my best friend, Daniel. Let's dive in. The biggest match in pro wrestling history. This is not a wrestling match. This is a fight. I'm the modern kid. Make yourself famous. Are you kidding me? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another brand new episode of Is It a Classic? That's, of course, the podcast that looks at classic short things in wrestling. We're talking short people like Hornswoggle or Ray, who we'll talk about today. We're talking about short matches like the one involving Ray we're going to talk about today. We're talking about tag team reigns. You're looking at like just like Jericho and any partner. We're talking short relationships like Flair and wife number five. And then, of course, we're talking shorts like Malachi Oh, bringing the shorts back. They're back. Any longtime listeners know that we never liked those shorts. How about Shane McMahon's short tenure with the double double E recently? Yeah, he made it a day. New record. Well, brevity. Isn't that the tagline for today's episode? Much like the stupendous is the tagline for WrestleMania this year. Brevity. That's our tagline. You'll see. Yo, you look out. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. Okay. All right. Should we get to some headlines? I just want to thank each and every one of you for all you've done to your bodies. It's still real to me, damn it. I mean, thank you. Yes, brief headlines. Brevity. I... You know, if you just keep yelling brevity, then the episode becomes longer for you yelling the word brevity. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Headlines. Start. Kick us off. What headline you want to talk about? Got to talk about Ronda Rousey. She's back. We saw her win the Rumble, and she just doesn't look great. So we got a dose of her physically in the Rumble, looking a little slow, in okay shape. I was really hopeful for Raw that she would... I don't know, come out, cut a scathing promo, look the part. Again, I got a wooden delivery. She seems underconfident, maybe sort of disinterested in being there. It's just really weird, but I think Ronda's really going to have to step it up exponentially going into WrestleMania season. Um, Whether she wants to be a heel or not, she's going to be, especially with this just lackluster effort. How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I... I at all, I don't know what happened if the everything that happened in uh, the thoughts around the Rumble, around why it got so those matches got so discombobulated that maybe that, you know, hurt her morale going into it. I could sort of buy that. But then she sucked on Raw and like Becky came out and immediately outshined her insanely. And then Lita came out and immediately outshined Ronda as well on the mic and with intensity and all of that. So. Maybe she, maybe she like is as fed up with the WWE as everyone else is, but she has a contract and has to fulfill it and wants to make some money while she's not literally not doing anything. 
and she's just there. And so we're going to get a just there Ronda Rousey for a year, allegedly. Yikes. Ugh, that we shall. Hopefully, the amount of TV she gets to take up is brief. All right. I'll go to the next thing that I want to talk about, which is the rumble itself. Uh, good God, that may have been the worst rumble of all time. I'm glad for those that were listening last week, Danny decided to tease something that we weren't, that we didn't end up delivering on, which is we were planning on being a little twisted and doing a immediate post rumble show review and recording it. And we were so deflated by that shit rumble with, no shine, no action, predictable finish. You know, people like Biggie just getting squashed like crazy. Like no, nobody getting to look good. Um, I mean, we thought the women's rumble was the more entertaining rumble. It wasn't a great rumble, but it was definitely more entertaining. That uh, we just couldn't bring ourselves to do it. And this is going to be just about all we're going to talk about. It. You had a great match with Reigns and Seth that ended up with a shitty finish. The rest of the show was there. And the rumble was uh, the a woke worst of all time. We'll just call, we'll just go with that. I like that. I like that. Maybe something good comes out of that rumble. A new catchphrase: woke, woke, woke. Uh, yeah, I would kill for FBC's ending to the Royal Rumble having taken place, or something anywhere close to that. It was a match where no one got over. I would kill for FBC to be entrant one through thirty in that rumble. And it would be a uh, hundred times better. Agreed. So if I'm going to shift my focus over to the other channel, dude, what was up with the first half hour of Dynamite this week being people in AEW shitting on AEW? So Mox has a match. DB comes out. You wonder, are they going to kick off their feud? And he ends up extending his hand, wanting them to join forces because he hates the company and the wrestlers in it. He runs down several one, one several wrestlers and tells Moxley how they could make them better, and then wrestling could be better, and they could both be better, because this company's just mishandling everything, and you're like, okay, whatever. Uh, maybe they're going somewhere with it. Then they tried out Brandy Rhodes, who's full heel, even though Cody Rhodes is not. They are not a united front. She was hilariously bad. I mean, she was funny, but I just, like, this go-away heat, I don't get it. So then they trot Dan Lambert out there who dresses her down phenomenally while also shitting on the company. And it's like two straight storylines where they're catering to an older, small portion of their fan base. Possibly. I, I really don't get it's bizarre to me. I was just wondering, did you feel as uncomfortable as I did after the first 30 minutes of Dynamite? I thought it was Dan being Dan. And I thought that was he was great in that segment. I didn't get that. Daniel Sin was dressing down AEW. I think he was saying there's all these young guns that need some guidance and we're the ones to give it to them and we can run this place. Not like every, I mean, he did like shit on Hangman, but I, I didn't think that was like. And Moxley, yeah. he was like, hey, you know, if you would have had more support, maybe you'd still be the champion. I'm like, what is yeah, he talking about? He was talking about him. He was talking about like if we were together, not okay. if AEW gave you more support. He so was that talking wasn't like, a shoot, brother? No, he was talking like if I was in your corner, then you'd still be the champion. So join forces with me. I just I don't know. I didn't like the tone, but the show overall was I love I loved I thought that was I thought that was a very unexpected way to take the Danielson Moxley storyline um and, and like bringing it to 
together. Well, Dan's like, going to hey, Dan. He's been shitting on AEW for a while, and that's yeah. why he's a heel, and it works. But he's going to Dan. Yeah. Versus Brandy Rhodes, I, I'm just like, who's winning? I don't, I don't know. Very weird. Brandy versus Paige Van Zant will just be a, a snooze fest. A heel versus heel, lack of magic. <laughs> the old lack of magic. Mm, lack. Well, on that same show, I thought uh, CM Punk and MJF put on a hell of a put on a hell of a match and a hell of a performance. I greatly enjoyed the last half hour, which was all that match. I thought that it was a clever way for MJF to go over, and I thought it was time for Punk to lose and time for MJF to go over in in a nefarious way. Like They can still run it back, but it made sense in the storyline of what was happening. He beat Punk in his hometown. He beat Punk twice, quote-unquote. You know what I mean? But it was all through nefarious means. You got the Wardlow thing that was like, will, will he, won't he? You know, continuing that storyline, they need to pull the trigger on it. But I thought the, I thought that was the most clever handing of a foreign object I've ever seen in my life. I'm glad the cameras caught it. Where what great directing, where they had the close up shot of Punk and Wardlow staring each other down, and then Punk gets in the ring, and they show the replay with the camera up close to them that Wardlow has his hand behind his back, and MJF grabs the ring just phenomenal directing and a great way to add to the drama of the match. And I thought, I thought that was actually JR's best performance all night. Like uh, in a long time, you didn't like, I thought JR was, was great on, uh, was the best he's been on dynamite. I'll use our match this week that we're breaking down to juxtapose AEW's current, uh, energy when they commentate versus, uh, what I think should be done. Uh, I liked the match too, and I didn't even see the handoff. I had to go back and like really hunt. Like it was well done. I think it was a little too cute that it was instantly recognized by the ref as like that's wrist tape, and he must have choked him with it. I'm like, if it was a chain or something, I think it would have been very obvious of like, but like, how does he know that didn't just come off his wrist or his hand? You know, like I don't know. I still like that they gave us the tease of MJF winning early, and then you're like, oh, Punk's gonna get. Punk's going to get it right this time, and then he's still lost. It's pretty fun, and I'm spot on. I like the Wardlow stuff, but I think they needed a little more of a shove as to which direction we're really going here. But, hey, man, got to love a 40-minute segment to to end a show. Like, you know, big fight feel, big time angle going down. They've been doing a fair amount of that lately, and, you know, bring it on. It was good stuff. It was definitely good stuff. Uh, one last thing I want to add on that is that, uh, I mean, you wouldn't know this. I didn't know this until I was on the old Reddit and found and saw this, that Punk did that same wrist tape thing in a match like 10 years ago to somebody else, and Bryce Rimsburg was the referee. That's so it was a, phenomenal. Yeah, so it was just in a, like an amazing callback that, of course, no one would know, and no one at the commentary desk knew, but if you like are paying attention or somebody, was just like, look at this clip I found, like it's it's a... It's uh, one of those great things that if you're a longtime wrestling fan or you pay attention to that stuff, you can get those little rewards that you don't have to have to enjoy it, but definitely helps add a little flavor to it. Well, hey, you're giving people little rewards for listening to this show because listening to this gives you one of those nuggets of knowledge. You got to love that. I would like to say <laughs> and drop some wisdom or remind people of wisdom that sodium is good for the muscles, and that's why Otis is drinking steak sauce out of a cup which he tried to hand off to Gable during their 
way more entertaining than it should have been scooter race. That was, hilarious. you know what that makes Otis, right? Our IAC listener of the week. Much deserved. All right. Shall we get to our main event? Let's do it briefly. Let's go to ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. All right. It's main event time. Um, because we've been going, being, so, have sewing. Let's try that again. Since we've had so much brevity in this episode, we haven't told you what we're talking about. I mean, we told you up top. You read it in the description. You should know by now. But we normally throw it in there about eight times as well. Well, here's time number eight for you. It is Ray Mysterio versus Kurt Angle, or Kurt Angle, as Steiner would call him, at SummerSlam 2002, kicking off the show. We are going to determine for you definitively if it is, in fact, a classic match. Uh, the way that we do that is we take a look at five categories we review with that match, and we rate in that category from zero to one star to ultimately get to a potential five-star match. And for us, it's got to be at least four stars for us to consider it a classic. Our categories are as follows. First is storytelling. Did the match tell a story from start to finish? Was it the same story from start to finish? Was it in the same book? Did it make sense? Did it climax, crescendo, decrescendo, all those things at the right time? Two is atmosphere. How was the heat? Did you feel it? Did it come through the screen? Did you feel it in your bones, and your loins? Were you in that match as you watched that match? Third is execution. How were the moves executed? Were there any botches? Did anything come off weird that took you out of the match? Fourth is the Larry can I finish category, and that is how was the finish? Did it hit at the right time? Did it hit the right way? Did you did it really add that extra oomph and extra drama to the end of the match? And finally, the coup de gras is significance. Did this match hold a significant place in wrestling history and wrestling lore? Is it still there? And do people talk about it for a specific reason this day? Did it have an impact on the competitors' careers, on the company? All of those things. Did this match hold some significance? Those are our five categories. We will get to those, but first we have to give you the background of what led to this specific match, Ray versus Kurt at SummerSlam 2002, and nobody in the business, I mean nobody, does it better than my main man, Danny boy. Hit him with the juice. Hit him with the steak sauce. Well, first I got him with some more shitty amateur impressions that we don't do enough of, and you brought up Scott Steiner. Kurt Angle at the large terms. Get my bigs. Get my bigs. Get my bigs. Get my bigs. God, I could do that all day. I love some Scott Steiner. I wish he was on commentary, but really, he's not. Really quick, I want that impression, but the brevity version of it. Kurt Angle my bigs. <laughs> I thought you were about to go, get <laughs> who knows anywho for brevity's sake this is our 33rd match we're going to break down as we mentioned it Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio not junior WWE got the F out around this time and when they signed Rey Mysterio he was no longer a junior they wrestle here at SummerSlam in 2002 and this is the 15th annual SummerSlam took place at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum I'm sorry the Nassau Veteran Veterans Memorial. See, very Scott Steiner. That was actually a Scott Steiner impression also. Anyway, it's in Uniondale, New York. On August 25th, 02, the attendance was 14,797. 
We've got a 33-year-old Kurt Angle, a 27-year-old Rey Mysterio. And this is the very first one-on-one match between two surefire Hall of Famers. Plus, we've got the newly bald Kurt Angle. He's fresh off of this roller coaster of sorts leading into this showdown with, as I mentioned, the newly debuted Rey Mysterio in the WWE. Angle lost a hair-versus-hair match to Edge at Judgment Day. But then he made a huge statement by actually submitting Hollywood Hulk Hogan at King of the Ring that year with the ankle lock. He had to rid himself of his wrestling headgear and wig combo heading into this match, embracing the baldness, looking like a stone-cold Steve Austin light kind of, but more badass edge to his wrestling character. Gotta love it. He just came off that triple threat match at Vengeance against The Rock and Undisputed Champion at the time, Undertaker. Go back in our archives and listen to that. That is our very first episode. Kurt Angle ate the pin in that match to The Rock. And actually, in that same um, time frame, The Rock won that match so that he could have this big match heading into SummerSlam against the next big thing, Brock Lesnar, who won the King of the Ring that year. And those are your main event competitors in this SummerSlam show. Back to Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio in May. This is around the time that the rumbling started that Rey was going to be signed. And he didn't get to debut until July. He also was in a bit of a limbo because he wasn't wearing his mask when he was last seen in WCW. And it took some talking to and decision-making by WWE officials. Probably didn't have to yank Ray's arm too much, but they saw it as a good marketing tool, good merchandise seller, and they wanted Ray to come back in the mask. Good call, bad call, you decide. Yes, good call. So he debuted, like I said, on an episode of SmackDown on July 25th. He beat Chavo Guerrero Jr. The next week he beat Tajiri. And then on an episode following, he got involved with some more serious players. He jumped in into an angle between Cena and Kurt Angle after a run-in by Chris Benoit. Edge and Eddie Guerrero get involved. And we've got an all-out melee. Ends up with your classic six-man tag team main event booking. And Ray actually pins Kurt Angle in that match. So that sets off their issue here. Angle is severely insulted by dropping the fall to what he calls a 12-year-old. And then when Ray confronts Angle about that trash talk, he goes ahead and challenges Angle to a match at SummerSlam. Kurt accepts, but inadvertently ends up in a match with Mark Henry because he runs his mouth too much. And then Ray interferes in that match. Kurt Angle interferes in Ray's match later. And then we end up the next week having a sit-down interview with Michael Cole Kurt's heavy on the size jokes, ends up declaring that the match with Ray uh, is going to be a beatdown of little people. And he's going to exemplify that with a match he's going to have later against Ray's old buddy Kidman. Well, Kurt actually loses to Kidman by countout because of Ray's distraction. And then Kurt lays a hefty beatdown on old Billy. And that's going to lead us to our big match here at SummerSlam. I remember this as a short, intense, super fun match. And it's the opener to what some consider to be the greatest SummerSlam of all time. So strap in, bros. It's nine minutes of fun. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Your announcers for this match are Michael Cole and Taz, as this is a SmackDown match at the time. And those are your SmackDown announcers. Taz was skinny. Who was skinny? Taz. I mean, Cole was skinny too. Cole had like yeah. short sleeves on. Like he was just, it was casual Friday for Michael Cole. He had the Michael Cole like beard and facial hair. Uh, he was, he was young, slick. 
1990s Michael Cole here in 2000 and uh, 2002. Isn't that what you tell your hairdresser when you go in? Like, give me the Michael Cole. Give me the young slick. The 2002 Michael Cole. 90s. No, the 1990s Michael Cole that was in the 2000s. Yes. Yeah. This whole show violates everything about my journalistic integrity. All right. We've got coming out first the man, uh, as we mentioned, Kerr Angle. Kurt Angle's out, and at this point in time, yes, he does actually suck still. He is in a badass red pinstripe singlet, uh, looking like a million bucks, with new bald head that he is gonna, you know, carry basically for the rest of his career, looking fresh, looking tight, um, looking great, looking like a guy that's that's a superstar for this brand and for this promotion. Next, who's that jumping out the sky? It's R.E.Y. Mysterio. Here we go. And before I get into his entrance, I do want to mention my some of my favorite lyrics to the Rey Mysterio theme at that point in time. Uh, I'm going to read them to you. This is a dramatic reading of one verse of the Rey Mysterio lyrics. Straight from the WWE. Know how much trouble you see because you're facing the man of mystery. Flipping and spinning and doing it fast. You can't remove the mask because he's kicking your ass. And speaking of kicking your ass, Kurt Angle's watching the entrance, waiting for Ray to fly out. But Ray is instead on the apron behind him, springs up on the apron, hits Kurt with a springboard head scissors to start the match. He goes off the ropes. He hits himself a Hurricane Rana as well. Uh, he gets a monkey flip in the corner. And we've got uh, Angle getting some Angle lock attempts that get blocked. A 619 gets blocked. And then we finally get Angle in control as he takes it to the outside and brings Ray on the inside. We get a sweet German suplex counter where Ray is holding on to the ropes, but he turns that German attempt into a roll up, which looks pretty sweet. Of course, Ray eats a clothesline for his trouble. The crowd, by the way, started hot and stayed hot for this. We have some loud angle sucks chants. We get some chants for Ray. We get some 619 chants. Um, we get a sweet corner head scissors counter into a backbreaker where Ray's going for a, a head scissors out of the corner and Angle just holds on to him and slams him down. Then uh, Angle gets Ray into a half crab that looks pretty devastating, almost like a one-legged Walls of Jericho, knees to the head, and the crowd is in to Ray. So we get to our finishing sequence here, and Angle goes for an angle slam, and it's countered into an arm drag. Angle goes into the outside, and Ray's about to dive over the top ropes onto Angle, but the ref stands in front of Ray and says, I want to check on him. So he goes to check on Angle. He puts The ref puts his head through the middle ropes to look at him, and Ray says, F this. Or in Spanish, LF this. And he runs towards the ropes, hops over the ref, over the top ropes, flips and lands on angle. And we get our first holy shit chance of the night as it was the first match of the night. Angle gets in the ring. He starts wobbling to his feet. Ray gets up on the apron. He jumps on the springboard. Uh, sorry, Angle's on the floor at this point in time, uh, face down. Ray gets up on the apron. He jumps on the springboard. He flies high, and it's a large, 
leg drop onto the back of Engel's head. I got to tell you, Ray, in this instance, he got up. We get some Irish whip whip counters between both men, but Ray ends up on Kurt's shoulders in sort of an electric chair stance. Well, Kurt just drops him down in front of him and grabs onto the ankle lock, but Ray quickly counters, sending Kurt into the ropes. Kurt's there, dangling on the middle rope, and you know what time it is. Six, one, nine time, baby! Ray bounces off the ropes, twists his body around, and bam! Hits the 619! Springboard Hurricane Rana, West Coast, pop, West Coast pop into the pin. One, two, Ray, no! Kurt kicks out. Ray decides to go to the top, and Kurt runs at him, but Ray avoids and misses. Kurt ends up hopping up onto the ropes, uh, sitting on the sitting on the top turnbuckle with his feet on the middle turnbuckle uh, while he tried to jump at Ray that Ray avoided. So Ray decides to climb up, and he's going to hit Kurt with a top rope Hurricane Rana. Well, as he goes to flip, Kurt just jumps down in the ankle lock position, misses a little bit, but grabs onto that ankle, and he's holding on, and he's cranking hard. Ray's trying to struggle. Ray almost makes it to the ropes. Kurt drags him to the middle of the ring, and Ray taps out. It is over. Quick match, quick breakdown, very fast, a lot of high flying, a lot of a lot of stuff that they fit into this short time frame in a hot, hot, hot way to start off the summer fest. Yep, just like The Rock insulted the big show one time by calling him 10 pounds of monkey crap in a five-pound bag. That's what this match felt like. They jam-packed that bitch. Not not monkey crap. No, but it was like that because it was overstuffed. Like a like a XL hot pocket. Yeah, and you know, I mean, like Big Show's awesome. So even if it is monkey crap, like it's pretty cool. Yeah, do it for Harambe. All right, you want to start with uh, storytelling? Yeah, man, there was definitely some storytelling there, and it was good. Angle had to slow the pace down because Ray was at his best when the pace was frantic. Um, I think both guys did a good job of deciding, you know, like when Ray's attacks were going to work. Ray is going to be heavily dependent on doing some head scissors, hurricane ranas, things like that. Angle being much larger is not always just going to go with the flow and get flipped around. Sometimes Ray, case in point, goes for a head scissors. Angle just stops him in mid head scissors and hits a sidewalk slam. I thought that was cool. You don't see that a lot of times. Sometimes it's like when a guy's going for a move like that, you just take it. Well, he flipped me, even though I weigh 100 pounds more than the guy. So I thought they made it look believable, and that was cool. Um, Unfortunately, it's kind of a one-dimensional story, and it's not a long one. So due to time constraints, it's nowhere near like classic-level storytelling, but the psychology I thought was sound. So I give that portion one half star. It's tough to tell a full, long, drawn-out story uh, when you only have nine minutes, I think that they they didn't have a lot of a uh, lot of story building up into the match. It was just like big man, little man, like bully Kurt and uh, Ray being pissed off at it. So they got a little bit of that in there. I did like Ray's hope spots were great, and Kurt just shut him down every time. But they always got the crowd into it. And then when Ray, I mean, they built to Ray finally overcoming, you know, and getting getting in there. But of course, Kurt at the end ultimately had to do something spectacular, which was that sort of uh, block the hurricane Rana into the ankle lock to, to beat Ray. So I, which I still thought 
made Ray look good in this instance. You know, this wasn't like world champion Ray where he couldn't do Jack crap uh, or he couldn't do monkey crap, if you will. Otherwise, good, tough to tough to fit 10 pounds of story into a five pound bag. So uh, I also gave it a half star. All right. Atmosphere. I will straight up tell you, I was one star in this atmosphere. The crowd was great. Cole and Taz were on fire. They were, the crowd was into everything. They were cheering. They were booing. They were chanting. They weren't going into business for themselves. Taz was great with his analogy of like when he, even the, the sort of half crab that Kurt did that you never see, like Taz was talking about the torque it puts and all this that happens. And they were telling that story of Ray needing to use his quickness and Ray being the smaller guy. So they were on point. The crowd was on point. You can't ask for more except for like, hey, let's have this in longer matches. But I mean, for what we're looking for in a classic level atmosphere for this match, I mean, and they popped big for the finish. You know, they were upset at Kurt, but like there was a, there was the, wow factor if you will to the finish type of thing so i am a full star for atmosphere honestly you yeah you're just being honest the heat was big time man those oohs and ahs by the end of the match were so audible and you just love to see that what i love the most though was the commentary team they were on point just like you said and what i love so much about them is i felt like they were chomping at the bit to get their analysis in not talking over each other, but they couldn't wait to say something and they would play off of one another and the enthusiasm and their energy matched the matches energy. Part of what bothers me sometimes about the aging Jim Ross and even Shivani, even though I enjoy Shivani so much is I feel like oftentimes there are a couple of old guys sitting in a chair kind of snickering and like enjoying themselves, but they're just kind of hanging out watching wrestling. And Excalibur doesn't always carry the torch of like what we're seeing is really good or really special. Their energy is just sort of plateaued. It's not bad. I'm not shitting on their commentary team and saying that it's bad and it takes away. But when you watch a match like this and you listen to the passion that they're able to throw into it, hey, they're younger. This is the first match. There's a lot of reasons why they may have been on their game more in this match than, say, a random main event of Dynamite here and there. But still, I thought it was very apparent, and their energy was just, it helped so much. It was electric, and I loved that. What can you say about the crowd? Ray Mysterio, I think, was bringing a, a level of offense and a cruiserweight style to the mainstream WWE audience that they haven't really seen a ton of. They've tried the WWE had tried a light heavyweight division, mild success. I'm sure some people can remember a Takamichinoku match here and there, but this was kind of this still felt like a big deal and this was a guy bringing that type of style to some big time matches that were getting some heavy fanfare. And it's sort of a new thing. It's sort of a new era that's being ushered in and you can feel it in the crowd. That being said, I have to pick one nit the match doesn't have that big time feel to me that that is what makes fully makes classic atmosphere is the things that we just talked about. Plus this kind of palatable anticipation storyline building to a crescendo and we're all waiting for it. So I give it three quarters of stars. Don't, don't hate me. I only have one question for you in response and that's, 
Who's that jumping out the sky? <laughs> he didn't jump out the sky, so I don't know. Are, did he ever jump out of the sky? <laughs> what a, uh, like, I'm glad that you said that. Like, what a terrible way. Like, who's that jumping into the sky? Like, is actually, it doesn't sound as cool, but that's legit what's happening. Who's that jumping out the sky? That means he's starting in the sky and jumping presumably to his own death. Because he's starting in the sky. Right. From who's a cloud? Like, you can't stand on that. Yeah. Who's that jumping out of the sky? R-E-Y, Mysterio. All right. Thoughts on execution? This, I can't say a bad thing about. I mean, what can you say? These guys had barely worked each other. I mean, they had a little uh, interaction and a tag match on TV. Maybe they worked out here and there with each other. But they're brand new as far as working to each other, working with each other. And they came out. They were firing on all cylinders banger of a move set on display it would have really been i think easy to get lost out there with the kind of pace that they were keeping and they didn't ray gave his body up for some serious abuse that pendulum german suplex all the way from um, basically face down on the mat all the way to his back in kind of a 360 just unbelievable the big moves landed big time they didn't blow anything i thought it was phenomenal i give that a full star yeah i I have a nit to pick on that as well, but I'm not going to pick it here. I'll pick it with the finish, and you know what that is. Otherwise, I mean, for what they had, what they were doing, the pace they were keeping, all of that, like this is, uh, again, it's tough to compare some of the classic matches we've watched to a nine-minute match, but when it comes to execution of a nine-minute match, we see so many nine-minute matches on TV these days this would be better than all of them. So uh, I am also a one full star. Now time to pick a little nit here on the finish. I thought that the story built to the finish well. I thought that um, what they were trying to do and the story they were telling of Ray getting in his hope spot, you know, Ray hitting his finish. So here, I didn't like Ray hitting his finish in like the new guy in the company and it immediately being shat on and being kicked out of. Did not enjoy that, although it was a great near fall. Um, and that that top rope Hurricane Rana into the ankle lock was just a, a, was a little bit of a whiff that they recovered well at, but the timing was off just a little bit. Those two things together knocked me down to a to a there's still three quarters of a star because like when you finish the match with the story that they were telling, that's where you go with it. But uh, otherwise, I am going to pick those nits there. What about you? I can dig it. I'm definitely stepping in uh, what you're putting down. I liked that it was clean. It was believable. It was like a cat and mouse game that Ray and Angle were playing, and the cat won this time. Um, Upon watching it a couple times, I noticed that Angle did get the ankle lock on a couple of times in the match, but only for just a second. Ray would kick it off very quickly. So the finish did a great job of establishing that the ankle lock was deadly. I also hated, though, that Ray gave up his finisher. And then also he tapped in under about 15 seconds. So this is Ray's big, you know, pay-per-view introduction. And, you know, it's going to, it kind of puts a black mark on him going forward as far as being taken serious as maybe a contender. Perhaps, you know, we should have been thankful that, you know, a guy of this stature was coming in and going toe-to-toe with Angle right off the bat. And he was presented as a bigger deal as maybe they had a history of doing in the past. But it does, you know, it, it did a lot to hurt Ray's credibility at least in his moveset and whatnot and uh, i don't know that angle necessarily needed that 
But maybe had they been given more time, we wouldn't have had any of these complaints. And this is just sort of a casualty of the match being nine minutes. So I give it three quarters a star also. And finally, significance. Where are you at with significance? Had to do a little digging here. Uh, How are we going to make this seem significant? I mean, it is the opener to, like I said, one of the biggest and best cards of all time. It's the first one-on-one match between two Hall of Fame guys. It's Ray's pay-per-view debut. The biggest thing here as far as impact and lasting impact, like I said, was I believe that this really was the introduction to a lot of casual WWE fans to the cruiserweight style being in big, meaningful matchups. And it also did a lot of changing to the perception of the first match on a pay-per-view, not being a curtain jerker, as they call it. You know, these were two big names. Ray had a big following, Kurt Angle, a former multi-time world champion. And this was a match that a lot of people were looking forward to, and it was a high-octane, nice way to open the show. And I think uh, those weren't always that wasn't always the case as far as how you booked a WWE pay-per-view card top to bottom, and this went and uh, put a dent in that narrative. So there is some significance here, but only a half a star's worth, in my opinion. I, My gut feel when I got to this category and I was thinking about it was like, it's like a half star. I didn't have any justification or anything with it other than like, well, there hey, you go. Two big yeah, these are two big guys that, you know, you know, Ray introduced to WWE. It was the really the kickoff of his career. Angle was continuing, you know, his dominance, but like significance, wrestling lore, all of that. I mean, it did kick off the best pay-per-view. It's like we're, there's some significance there because we're talking about it and we remembered this match to go into it. Um, but there's not enough significance to where, I can like, you can say what the impact was, the TNA impact on this thing. So I'm with you when it comes to um, the the half star. So I'm a, I'm a half star as well. So overall, I think that, I mean, it's a very fun match. Like you are, I, I don't think you're going to find many, if any better under 10 minute matches out there. And when you have a pay-per-view starting off with a match like this, you know, you're going to be in for a hell of a night. It was two guys that were in the peaks of their careers and their ability, prime prime wrestling, keeping up a quick pace, saying, oh, you, oh you're only going to give us nine minutes? We're going to go out you, there and show you what nine minutes look like uh, whenever we're doing this. So uh, I, I thought it was overall just a super fun time that, especially at a short time frame, you could show this to – this is on a match that you could show – to just about anybody who may not be a wrestling fan and they're going to find something that they appreciate. And there's going to be a piece of it that they're going to, that they're going to take away. Um, ultimately I ended up at three and three quarters stars as we broke it down and got to the, that got to the final star rating, but a very fun match. However, it was not my match to pick. It was yours. Oh, Danny boy. So I got to ask you, Ray Mysterio versus Kurt Angle, SummerSlam 2002. Is it a classic? Perhaps the best short match of all time. Name me one better in under 10 minutes. I can't even think of that many that come to mind that I know fall in that short of a parameter. Cruiserweight scene bursting onto the scene in the WWE bursting through these 
brief moments of brevity between Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio. Man, the match was badass. You could watch it multiple times over. But I'm right at three and a half stars. It's a little too short. And I think we fleshed out reasons. It wasn't, we were just like, well, it's short, so we're docking it. You can see some elements of classic matches that are missing. It gets close, but no cigar. You need time to flesh these things out properly and to really break through our scientific agenda. So, yes, it's a clear no. This is not a classic, man. It's very close. Very fun match. Maybe the best short match of all time. And for our brief episode this week, it was perfect. But it's not a classic. Eric Bischoff is a no-good, lousy son of a bitch. Hey, hey, hey! That's exactly what he is. You freak! You monster! Tutsland, the son of a bitch! All the way to hell! Do it! Tutsland and Kane! They are easy. Bischoff got just what he deserved! The son of a bitch! The poor son of a... He's broken in half! Chris Turner's laughing like a bitch! What? Son of a bitch! You son of a bitch, don't What's you hit her! Don't you hit her! Bitch. Where did he come from? That son of a bitch! Does he have no conscience? Does he have no heart? Do you have no soul? You son of a bitch! Do you realize what you've just done? Damn you all the hell, Triple H! You son of a bitch! Why, Triple H? You son of a bitch! Why? Tell me why! I am reality! He's a son of a bitch if you ask me. Hey, hey, hey. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? Son of a bitch! Son of a bitch! I don't believe this! He is still one sick, perverse son of a bitch. There's nothing wrong with talking to God, but that demented son of a bitch actually thought he saw it. Oh, that bullshit! Oh, come on. Excuse my language. All right, not a classic, fitting in with our theme of brief, brief but no cigar uh, with Rey Mysterio versus Kurt Angle, but still a fun match. Like if you got ten minutes, go to go to your peacock, go stroke your peacock, and get on and watch this match and have a good time because uh, it'll fly by for sure. In the sky, rey, fly by. Well. Next week, for next week, it is my turn to pick a match. Now, what what do I like to do with every match that I pick? What is a word that you would say that I like to attach to my matches? They have to be what? Where am I going? I'm leading you here. If you don't have it, you don't have it. It's okay. Relevant. Relevant. And so if you had to guess where I was going for relevancy right now, where do you think I'd be going? Shame it, well, man. I'll tell you, it doesn't matter where I'm going. Sorry, I will tell you where that is. Uh, I'm going to Survivor Series 2002. That doesn't seem relevant. But what does is the very first Elimination Chamber match happened Hell on yeah. that show. Chris Jericho, Kane, Rob Van Dam, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Booker T., Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Elimination Chamber, number one in WWE history, is on our docket for next week. How you feel about it, Danny boy? 
Some big shit is popping and little shit is stopping in that match for sure. But if they don't have saliva song build up package in there, I don't know if it can be a classic. Might have to track down the original if I really want to get the feel. Well, you know, all I got to say about this is all oh, shucky ducky. Quack, quack. Shucky, ducky, quack, quack. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening briefly to this episode here. As always, please like, download, subscribe, rate, tell your friends, tell your mammy, tell your pappy, tell your pets, tell your plants, tell anyone that has the ability to get on and download as well to join us in the IAC Nation with all you IAC maniacs. You can reach through that screen and touched us at, at, under, at classic underscore pod on Instagram or email us at is it a classic pod at gmail.com through the email. Uh, if you have a match that you think is a classic and you got a couple of reasons why, let us know and we will review it on this show. That is a guarantee you got this opportunity to get that on the show. But other than that, that is all I got for this week, unless you got anything else you want to mention in there, Danny, before My I... My hand! Touching your hand! The Mac of Dream! Waving bye-bye! And as always, hashtag, hang in there, Shane, man. <laughs>